Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Hey, good morning, Northridge. Can you hear me? There we go. Hey, we got a pretty exciting game tonight, don't we? We do. I'm just killing time until I get my stage piece, so I'm really excited about that game. Uh, thankful that you all are here as well. My name is Colby, and I serve as our student pastor here on staff. And in case you haven't been with us in a while, we've been uh, still studying Core 52, which is, thanks, Will, an annual uh, piece of content that we've been going through together as a church, but over the last three weeks, we've talked much about leadership as well as what that looks like through a series called Level Up. And initially, when Pastor Mike sat me down a few months ago and said that I would be one of the ones to help lead us in this conversation and to help lead us in this dialogue, I was taken back. I said, me, really? But you see, I think it's easy for us to sort of disqualify ourselves from this notion or this idea of leadership. I mean, just because I'm the student pastor on our staff, I'm thankful I have something to say. But I've asked myself, what what do I have to offer exactly? And I wonder today, if there's anybody else in the room who's thought to themselves over the last three weeks uh, of Level Up and next week as we close out, like, what does this have to do with me? Well, I hope you know that you're not alone, because I suspect some of you have felt that way. But here's what I want to remind us of this morning. Here's what uh, I want us to understand and how we should redefine leadership. And if you look on the screen behind me, you'll see exactly what I mean. Leadership, in its simplest definition, is holding influence among others. So perhaps you've walked into the doors of our church today as someone who's influencing others at the local business level. Uh, You may be someone who's now retired and finding a new sense of purpose in your life and within your family. Maybe this week you've put it into a new perspective on what it means to lead in the classroom, whether it be as an educator, as a coach, or an administrator. You see, whether it be working as a first responder or a nonprofit organization, if you're a salesman, if you're a college student or a collegiate athlete, or or maybe you're just raising your family while your spouse works full-time, that's a huge way to influence others. We all hold this responsibility. Whether it be one person, 100, or even 1,000. Leadership is holding influence among others, and the Bible uh, teaches us about this, it reshapes our understanding, and it describes how we can find the value. It describes how we can find our responsibility in this regard, and influence in whatever arena of life you walk into these doors as today. So not only all of this stuff, but the goal of today's message is to sort of address what it means to lead in a world that is growingly hostile, growingly divided, and self-promoting. We all know this is true. So how do we, as Christian leaders, 
despite the vocation, despite the status, how do we come together here and fit into this conversation? I want you to know Jesus has something to say about this. Sermon in a sense for today is this. Leading like Jesus means that our service is greater than our status. Say it with me. Leading like Jesus means that our service is greater than our status. You see, there's a familiar story in Scripture that's inspired this conversation for me. It's a famous portion of the New Testament, which we uh, sometimes call the Upper Room Discourse in John chapter 13. And it's a passage that we mostly encounter during the Lenten season or the Easter season. However, today I believe that this can transform each sphere of influence represented here and empower us to lead in a way that will turn our Monday morning for the better. So I hope you walk away from this conversation today better because of it. And we'll start here in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. This is John, Jesus' best friend, writing these words several years after the crucifixion and resurrection. And here's how he starts us off. You can follow along on the screen behind me. John says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world and to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, Jesus loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and that Jesus was going back to God. Allow me to set the scene a little bit further for us. Perhaps you've seen this painting before. It's called The Last Supper. And Leonardo da Vinci painted this in the year 1495, about 1,500 years after the life of Jesus. And I hate to break it to him, but he got it all wrong. This is not what this scene looks like, but when we imagine this painting, this is what John is talking about. You see, because really when we look at da Vinci's work, they would all be sitting down at a table about six to eight inches off the ground. They would be reciting the Exodus story to one another, and they would probably be elbowing one another a little bit more as well. But in light of all this stuff, I want us to know in verse one that the Bible proves it never wastes its words. You see, they're too valuable for us as the reader and for the writer's storytelling ability. So when we think about Passover, we've got to think back to the festival that took place each year that celebrated this Jewish liberation from Egyptian bondage. It was held in Israel's capital city of Jerusalem. People traveled from all parts of the ancient world in order to be here. It was a big deal. I mean, I imagine it was somewhat like the World Series coming to Atlanta. Come on, work with me a little bit, church, this morning. Jesus famously rides into the city. I hope you're connecting the dots here. He rides into the city on a young donkey, while other leaders throughout the world ride in on their horses and their chariots. And then a few days after his arrival, we find ourselves here where the Last Supper begins. Jesus knows that his time on earth is coming to this dramatic close on really, at that time, what was the world's largest stage. 
And yet, Jesus chooses to hold this private and secluded celebratory Passover meal together with those that he led and those that he was closest with. And at this point, it's so funny. I mean, the disciples are just clueless. They have no idea what's about to happen. Uh, they're, they're busy arguing about who is the best among them, elbowing each other to get the seat closest to Jesus. And yet, despite the ministry and despite the miracles, the public messages and the public addresses that they'd all accomplished together, it was time for one final moment together among Jesus and his disciples. And John lets us know in verse 2 and 3 that Jesus' love for these people ran so deep that even among the failures they'd make, failures that they would continue to make, Jesus desired to express his love to them to the end. If that's not me, I don't know what this story is all about. Meanwhile, dinner begins and the first domino of this story falls together. One of Jesus' disciples, famously you understand this story, uh, Judas allows for the enemy to have a foothold placed in his imagination. You see, this master plan had come together behind the scenes of what we just saw in order for Jesus to be taken down by one of his very own. The enemy held intentions for evil, and yet God still used it for his good. And in leadership, I think we've all encountered other people who don't always have our best interests in mind. At times, the people we influence are hard to trust. They are difficult to work alongside. Come on, somebody. It can ultimately derail our end goal, whatever that may be. And while this unholy disruption was taking place, Jesus teaches us a valuable lesson, and here it is. I want you to get this. Leading like Jesus sometimes means setting our strength aside. It's point number one. Sometimes leading like Jesus means setting our own strength aside. What we learn from this example is that whatever respective area of leadership that we hold influence over, uh, at times, right, our influence, it needs to be demonstrated. And yet Jesus shifts everything for us. See, Jesus had all the authority in the world, and yet he didn't demonstrate any of it in this moment. He held universal authority. I mean, heaven and earth and all of creation was at his fingertips. And yet Jesus' first leadership tactic was to disarm himself among those who did not have his best interest in mind. You see... Here's another thing I want you to understand. When Jesus set his strength aside, he prepared for God to be glorified. One more time. When Jesus set his strength aside, he prepared for God to be glorified. For example, I believe our ability to, maybe you know some highly reactive people in your life. Maybe your boss or uh, you have a family member who uh, behaves in such a way, but they're highly reactionary. 
So our ability to be non-reactive to highly reactive people, I think, can greatly measure our, our leadership, our faith, and our maturity in Jesus. I mean, consider the times when you're with your spouse or uh, another family member, you're with a friend or coworker or teammate, and they are just pushing you to the limit. Maybe you've never been there before. But every now and then, you have this perfect moment to just dismantle their position or dismantle their unpopular position. We know what Jesus would say about this moment. He would choose to disarm himself and put forth a progress that is beneficial to all people. Perhaps we come home after a long day at the office and the dishwasher needs unloading or toilets need cleaning and dinner's not going to make itself. A long day at the office and maybe you're a, a quote-unquote breadwinner and you think that task is above you. But I want to ask us another question today. What if we treated all tasks as supreme? What if we treated all tasks as supreme in the name of Jesus and for the sake of others? That's what it means to set our strength aside. I mean, what if leveling up first means that we level down? I believe we'd see God honor that effort over any self-promoting one every single time. Let's keep reading. John 13 and verse 4. John writes that Jesus rose from supper, that he laid aside his outer garments. He took a towel, he tied it around his waist, and he poured water into this basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. He then wiped them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet too? And Jesus says to Peter, what I'm doing now, you don't really get it, Peter, but in a moment you will. And Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet, Jesus. And Jesus says, well, if I don't, you have no part with me. And Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, not only my feet, but my head and my hands too. And in verse 10, Jesus says to him, you see, the one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but he's completely clean. And you are clean, Peter, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why Jesus said, not all of you are clean. Point number two for today's message, or takeaway number two, Leading like Jesus sometimes requires the difficult road. See, this is sort of a, a universal idea. At any junction of influence, there will be at times a, a fork in the road, if you will, two paths that we can take. The one that we know will give us some immediate results that we might want, or the other road, which might be more difficult might be more messy, but it will ultimately give us what's best. I mean, if you've ever been given a difficult set of circumstances, an unpopular decision to make, or this perhaps an unknown future about your life or your workplace or your family, I want you to know that you're not alone in that, and Jesus has something to say because he experienced this very same thing. And washing feet was this chore of the lowly. It was a job for the brunt of the household or the servant. 
By no means did the highest authority jump at the opportunity to wash people's feet. Imagine being at Chick-fil-A. You're finishing up your number one with Sprite. And Truett Cathy comes by to pick up your tray and throw away your trash. That's what this moment is like. Imagine being in the NBA, as once I, I dreamed I would be. Imagine being in the NBA and going into practice and seeing Michael Jordan pumping air into the practice basketballs. That's what this is all about. So Jesus takes it upon himself to be excused from the table. He grabs the towel, the water basin, and he's preparing to do a task that should have been done by one of the disciples a long time ago. Yet the disciples, right, are elbowing and arguing about who is the best and who's going to have all this power in this new kingdom and who is Jesus' best friend. I mean, all of these conversations are happening while Jesus grabs the water basin and the disciples just facepalm themselves and are so embarrassed by what they've let happen. I mean, Peter pipes up and he even responds to Jesus in a pious way like, no, you're not washing my feet, Lord. And Jesus says, well, unless I do, you're not with me anymore. And then he asks Jesus for a sponge bath. I mean, come on, the, the Bible basically translates that in the original language. Kidding. You see, Jesus goes on one by one. He's washing his disciples' feet. But even when he knows that Peter's three denials are right around the corner, even when he knows that Judas' exit to begin this betrayal plan is about to happen in any moment, and not only that, but the other disciples who'd fall asleep in the garden who would run from fear and believe that the last three years of ministry that they'd accomplished together would just go out the window. It was wasted all once Jesus was crucified. You see, Jesus held every right to take the less difficult road. Yet he didn't. What does this mean for us? Here's something else I want you to understand from today's message. If serving others is beneath us, then leadership is beyond us. If serving is beneath us. Leadership is beyond us. That's what it means to level up. You see, Jesus debunks this idol of status and shows how much more important it is to serve. Regardless of the road that everybody else in the room is taking, uh, Jesus commits to the ultimate plan. And I want to ask, is there an area in our lives that we've neglected because we think too highly of ourselves or we think too highly of our position? You see, whether you're a member at the club of Lake Sinclair, a small business owner, maybe you're a pastor in Northridge, maybe you're captain of the varsity football team at GMC who's now 10-0. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you're a stay-at-home spouse or parent. Regardless, wherever you come from, as you walk through these doors, the greatest status that we can achieve as Christian leaders is through our service. It's through giving to the lowly, doing the jobs that nobody else wants to do, taking the brunt of the labor. And my prayer is, 
that maybe per, perhaps serving in Northridge has been above that status quo for you. And I, man, we've got some great kids ministers on our staff and they sure could use some help. I know we've got some great people in this church who would be excellent in that ministry. Selfishly, I'm the student pastor here. I see a lot of faces in this room who could help transform and, and, and grow our ever-changing student ministry. But regardless, my, my prayer is that we would all reach for the water basin and the towel before we reach for the promotion or the microphone or that self-promoting opportunity. Simply, our greatest status in God's kingdom is our willingness to serve in lowly places. You see, the, dif the difficult road is not always glamorous, but it's always the road that brings us to God's glory. Let's continue reading. John chapter 13 and verse 12, John continues writing, and he says, when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher, you call me Lord, and you are right. And if I then your Lord and your teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And if you know these things, if you know what I just said, you will be blessed to live in this way. Which leads me to point number three in today's message. Leading like Jesus sometimes means we lead with a limp. Leading like Jesus sometimes means that we lead with a limp. In other words, we continue this act of service or washing feet even while other people that we're influencing around us are wounding us. Does that make sense? See, one, I wanna tell you a quick story as I close up today's message. One of the biggest reasons uh, my wife and I ended up serving here at Northridge was really due to a difficult situation at our former church in Arizona. Life was good. I mean, God was blessing us beyond measure. He was growing our ministry. Uh, but soon enough, we experienced 2020, just as many of you did. I was on staff at, at this particular church for less than an entire calendar year when uh, all of this stuff happened, and I was actually leading a mission trip in Central America when uh, news first hit, and we were kind of scared we wouldn't get back into the United States, and it's safe to say from that moment on, if you recall where you were, life seemed to be happening faster than you could anticipate it. At least that was my experience. Our church leadership struggled for months. Um, deciding what was best. Shortly after that, an election happened, and everything else that could have gone wrong in this country went wrong. Our church leadership comes together, and we decide to speak some life and truth into these issues and events. Yet our hearts were broken. People who we thought were all about the main thing of bringing other people closer to Jesus were no longer interested in that effort. We saw the enemy placing footholds in the imagination of a lot of people, and we were devastated by that. Friends turned into adversaries, 
And at times, I even questioned whether my stint in full-time ministry was about to come to this screeching halt, and I just got into it. Thankfully, I'm here to say that I live to tell the tale. I'm thankful to be here at Northridge. This is a great church. And as, yeah. Thank you. As difficult as it was for me to prepare this message, Jesus kept laying something on my heart. And it was a verse that Kristen read earlier, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom, to give his life as a sacrifice, to give his life for us and for many. Church, I'm definitely no hero in this story by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just simply preaching today an, an, an inevitable truth. We will all be hurt. We will all have to lead with the limp. We will all wash feet while we're wounded if we choose to do so. But the real question is, will we continue leading even when that type of stuff happens? For Jesus, he knelt down. He looked men in the eyes who he knew would betray him, would ruin or run for their lives and act as if everything they'd accomplished together never happened. Yet Jesus still chooses the way of the water basin. Will we do the same? Here's a sermon in a sentence one more time. Leading like Jesus means our service to others is greater than whatever status we hold. I'm here to tell you today we're all leaders. We're all influencing others. And if you haven't experienced hurt yet, oh, it's coming. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But the God of the universe knows our pain. There's undisputable evidence that, that Christian leaders are operating by a different set of rules, according to John 13. Where the world says we're to grit our teeth and hold our fist in anger, Jesus says we're to pick up a towel and a basin in order to set our strength aside. Where the world says to step on others for a selfish gain, Jesus says to serve those who will sin against us. When everyone else around is taking the easy way out, Jesus says to take the path that leads to progression for all people and all parties involved. But most importantly, even though washing the feet of other people is a pain deeper than a lot of us can comprehend, God promises a great blessing will come because of it. Just as Jesus served his people during this Passover meal, Jesus serves as our Passover lamb who was slain for the ultimate deliverance of all people. Through one man's mistake and one man's act of sacrifice, we in this room have been justified. Today we can find status through what's been accomplished on our behalf by the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yet, I encourage you to do so. As we go from this place, as we take out the trash, as we do the laundry, as we submit to our spouse in service, clean the bathrooms or do whatever, whatever lowly task is available, let's set aside our pride and remember Jesus. He promises us a great blessing if we'll simply choose to live this way. Wherever we hold influence, 
way we serve is far greater than the status that we'll ever hold. Thank you, church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you with prideful hearts. We come to you with our own difficulties and our egos. But as you held universal authority at your fingertips, you chose to serve. You wanted to breathe life into people. You wanted to allow them to feel loved even to the end. As they made mistakes, were faulty, and everything else. Jesus, today, whatever our status, remind us of how important it is to serve. And during this time of communion, Lord, allow us to reflect on all the good that you've done in our lives and help us to celebrate all the good things that are happening today. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity to serve here at Northridge. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at